I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Chen, and joining me is my co-host, Michael Amato. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Episode one. This is very exciting. This is very exciting indeed. This is our first season. So we look forward to providing our listeners with sleepers, keepers, roster updates, hot takes and cold takes, and goalies who need to be fired into the sun. So let's just get right into it. Uh Pacific Division, alphabetical order, Anaheim Ducks. First question, the one I have every single year, is John Gibson tired of losing or is he just legitimately bad? And where do you take him in your draft? Well, I think with Gibson, it's probably both. I'm sure he's tired of losing. There's been a lot of losses with the Ducks over the past few years. Um, I don't have Gibson ranked in my top 250. Uh, I think he's more of a streamer option. He's going to face a ton of shots, which is which is great if your league counts total saves. But with Gibson, you're probably going to get two outcomes almost every night, probably 70% of the time. He's going to give up a ton of goals, and 30% of the time he's going to, you know, have like 42 save, incredible performance. So you kind of got to roll the dice uh, on that when you're when you're uh, starting him in your lineup. So I'm not too excited about Gibson. Uh, unfortunately, the Ducks aren't just good enough aren't good enough around him to kind of prop him up and make him too valuable for me. I don't know what your thoughts are on him. Well, for one thing, the Ducks were historically bad defensively last season, like probably one of the worst teams in the cap era. So I imagine they'll bounce back. They made a couple signings. Uh, Radko Gudes, uh, Jamie Drysdale's back. Cam Fowler actually had a great season. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think John Gibson has value in leagues where you can't saves. But if you're looking for wins or a save percentage or good goals against, that's probably not going to happen. That being said, I do have John Gibson ranked um, partially because I do think, depending on your league settings, uh, the saves do have value. Now, the other question I have, and we have a graphic for this, is Jamie Drysdale or Cam Fowler? Cam Fowler last year was the Ducks' leading D-man. Um, Jamie Drysdale played eight games, got hurt, didn't play the rest of the year. But he is the quarterback of the future. Do you have a preference either way? If it were me, I would be going with Drysdale this season. I just think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. I know Fowler had a really great year last year. I think career high in points, um, which is unusual for him. But if you're the Ducks and you know you're probably going to be bad again, you know why would you play a 13-year veteran who you kind of know what you have in him at this point? as the quarterback of your top power play unit, I think it's just more uh, optimal for them to use Drysdale there to see what they have, to see how much responsibility he's ready for, you know, because with Fowler, like he, he has a ceiling, obviously it's probably in the 40 to 50 point range. And I think with Drysdale, he could probably exceed that in the future, maybe not this season, but I think, you know, the ducks are not going to be 
probably in a playoff chase, probably a playoff team. So for them, it's probably just seeing about what they have. And that's why I would just probably play Drysdale more if I were them. So I would take Drysdale. Yeah, definitely Drysdale in a keeper league. I've gone back and forth, but I think I'd, I'd take Cam Fowler this year still. Really? I, yeah, I still think that the Ducks are going to key in on their veterans. I think Fowler is still a strong two-way player. And I still think overall in terms of quantity, maybe not so much quality, but quantity, I think he's going to play more minutes, more overall power play time. So I'd probably stick with Fowler for this year still. I could see it starting out like that, but I have a feeling by you know Christmas time it might be Drysdale starting to get more of the minutes when the Ducks kind of start slipping out of the race. But well, we'll yeah, by, by Christmas time, Gibson will be tired of stopping pucks, and he'll just yeah. you know just be like, "Here, here you go." Who knows um, if he's still there by then? Yeah. True, true. <laughs> that would be really interesting if he does get traded. I think his fantasy value goes up. Hundred percent. Yeah. Next up, Calgary Flames. So the big question now is Jonathan Huberdeau, and over under 75 points for Huberdeau. Are you going over or are you under? Um, I'm going to go slightly under. I think he's somewhere between 70 and 75, which I think is still probably really good value for where you can draft him this season. Mm -hmm. I have him outside the the top 125 in my ranking. So I feel like Mm. if you're drafting him there, he doesn't need to have too much of a bounce back to have a lot of value. And I think sometimes when we look at, you know, bounce back seasons in general. I think we need to look at more where you're you're getting the player. He doesn't necessarily have to get back to 100 points if you're drafting him that late. As long as he gets back to 70, that's really good value. And I think it's possible. I think as long as Lindholm's still there, new coach, and I think he should be more comfortable in the second year than I think he can get there. Yeah. So Yahoo's ADP, I believe, is 120 for Huberto. So he's kind of like right outside where you have yeah. him ranked, right outside that spot. I think in a 10-team league or 12-team league, if you can get Huberdeau in the 10th round, I think that's really good value. I mean, just look at his stats. Like, he's way down on everything. And it's kind of funny how, like, in, on some of the advanced stats, he's actually playing better. It's just that it wasn't – the whole team wasn't executing. And I am I think you're right. I think not having Daryl Sutter there, not having to play right wing there, just having – being there for a second season where the expectations aren't so high – I think that's going to be good for Huberto, and I'm going to take the over actually on 75, but just slightly. I think he can be a point per game player, and I do expect the Flames to bounce back in general, just because maybe it's like addition by subtraction where Daryl Sutter's not there. Maybe it'll have just have an overall better impact on everyone's mental health. Yeah, that could be definitely true, and I think I I think the Flames had a lot of I think you sort of mentioned it like bad puck luck last year. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a stat I don't remember the exact number, but they set some kind of record for posts hit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I think they just had a lot of things that didn't go their way, and Markstrom didn't play very well. Um, I think if he bounces back too, they're going to be a lot better overall. That said, I don't I don't think Huberto ever gets back to 100 points no he's not a 100 point player <laughs> no i, I think, think that's, that's clear yeah i think that season was just lightning in a bottle so i think yeah. you kind of have to temper your expectations if you think he's going from 55 back to 100 you're probably gonna be disappointed but i think mm-hmm. he can get back into the 70s yeah i think especially on the power play like if you can get him going on the power play that's he could easily add another 15 points to his total from last year yeah for sure and i think if some other flames bounce back like we talked about a, mm-hmm. a little bit like he's mm-hmm. a guy that had another down uh, down year for his standards. Kadri as well, a little bit mm-hmm. points wise, he regressed from where he was mm-hmm. with the Avalanche. So, mm-hmm. I think I think if the Flames are better as a whole, it's going to help Huberto. Quick question: Calgary Flames playoff team or no? Do you think they make it? I'm saying no. I, I know I know you're <laughs> higher on them than me. Um, 
I kind of think there's just too many better teams than them in the Pacific. I don't see them getting in. It's possible. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, I, I think it probably all comes down to Markstrom. Like, I don't see yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. I think if he has, like, a incredible season, like what he did a couple of years ago, I think maybe they have a chance. I guess you could say that for a lot of teams with goaltending, yeah. but um, I think more so with the Flames, like, he's going to probably play a ton still. So if he kind of carries them again, then maybe they have a chance. But I, I don't. I don't see it. I wouldn't bet money on it. It's one of those like on and off seasons for Markstrom. Like a lot of goalies alternate one good season, one bad season. Yeah. So if last year was a bad season, this year's bound to be good, right? <laughs> like if you believe that kind of stuff, it's kind of weird how it works. But there are a couple of goalies out there who kind of go through that little like dip in, you know, peaks and valleys kind of deal. Yeah, there's a lot of inconsistencies now. There's not that many goalies you can trust, really. No, there's like five or six workhorses. Markstrom could have been one of them he definitely was last or like two seasons ago but not yeah not quite so much um edmonton oilers i think this is probably if not the best of team but the bet one of the two best teams in the division i i would say they're the best even though even though vegas, better than vegas even though vegas won the cup i think i think edmonton could win the division this year okay so one of the burning questions i have and we have a graphic for this is ryan nugent hopkins so if you consider all the players who have scored at least 50 power play points in the cap era, it's only been done 13 times. And of those 13 times, Brian Eugene Hopkins has 13 primary assists, which is like the lowest total, uh, which means 13 primary assists, 25 secondary assists for 38 total power play assists. Um, that worries me. Does that worry you? Well, I would say how many of those players had McDavid and Dreisaitl on their power play when they got those 50 <laughs> points? I mean, it worries me slightly, but I and I see there's a lot of red flags for regression with Nugent Hopkins, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just feel like the Oilers are going to have another really strong power play again. I, I don't know if it's going to be as historic as it was last year, but I think they'll probably have the best power play in the league again. And I think he's going to play with whether it's even strength or on the power play, I think he's going to be playing with either McDavid or Dreisaitl or both like almost all the time. And I think it's possible for him to get back there. Like maybe a hundred points is a bit of a stretch, but I don't see him plummeting to like 80 points. I don't, I think he can get really? like at least 90 again. Okay. So I have him about a point per game. Uh, I think he's definitely closer to 80 than a hundred. Uh, that being said, um, if you, Think about in terms of like raw and percentage regression, that's actually quite a big regression. But anytime you're going from like 100 points to point per game, you're still probably getting taken first four or five rounds at the draft at, at the latest. Yeah. Um, dual position eligibility for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So if you play in leagues with center and left wing, I think that helps because I don't even think he takes draws anymore. I don't expect him to. No. Yeah. Uh, the uh just one quick question to connor brown he's the other winger that everyone's talking about uh where do you take him and, and how many points do you think he'll score uh i'm gonna take connor brown pretty late in my draft still um hopefully he's still around hopefully uh, other people are not wise to the fact that he's probably gonna play with connor mcdavid um he might start i don't know if he'll stick there all season because zach hyman works so well right and yeah. also hyman and brown could work play together they play together with Austin Matthews in Toronto. Uh, granted, I think Brown and Hyman are far better players now than they were back in Toronto. Um, yeah. But Brown, health issues, 
And just historically, he's never been a high scorer, but we saw with Zach Hyman, he turned into a point per game player playing with McDavid. If McDavid's the rising tide that raises all boats, I mean, he's like the Bay of Fundy, right? Like the biggest tide you'll ever see what makes everyone around him so much better. Yeah. And I think, I think with Brown, like he's played with McDavid before in junior, he, mm-hmm. like you said, he's played with Matthews before he can play with good players. It's not always easy to do that. I know a lot of people think like you just put a player on, on a line with McDavid or dry and they're just going to have huge success. I think it's harder than people think to play with really strong players. You have to think the game pretty fast and, and obviously play fast. So I think Brown's capable of doing that. I think he can get between if he if he plays with McDavid and stays pretty healthy for most of the year. I think he can can get somewhere between twenty five and thirty goals in a in a best case scenario. I don't see him yeah. exceeding that, but I think uh, somewhere around there. I think twenty goals is baseline. I think thirty goals is where I have him pegged. Um, yeah. Twenty, I think, would just be kind of a disappointing season. Uh, keep in mind, Connor Brown's on a cheap one year deal. This is a show me deal. He's he's yeah. gonna want to cash in next year when the cap goes up. So there's yeah. plenty of motivation for him. Uh, you mentioned Junior. Connor Brown actually outsourced McDavid when they were playing with the Erie Otters. Um, granted, that's not saying that Brown is better than McDavid, <laughs> but it just goes to show that these two guys can have a very like symbiotic relationship and, and make each other better. Yeah, and I think with Brown too, I don't. He's not a huge assist guy, so mm-hmm. he's more he's more goal heavy. So mm-hmm. you're, I don't think he could get 30 goals, but maybe not even hit like 60 points. Yeah, so that's possible. I think you have to keep an eye on that too. Um, mm-hmm. In, in mm-hmm. leagues where I think goals are, are heavily weighted, he could have mm-hmm. more value. Mm-hmm. The other uh, one thing about Edmonton is that they have potentially one of the best power play quarterbacks in the league now. Evan Bouchard, over under 70 points. What are you taking? Uh, I'm, that's a, such a tough one. I think it's right around there. I might go slightly under. Oh, I just, okay. I just don't think we've seen enough. He had a great finish to the year. I think thirty-six points in his last thirty-one games, if you include the playoffs. Tyson Berry's obviously gone now. He's going to get that that quarterback uh, the power play one spot all year. He's going to be a great a great addition to any fantasy team. But yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I would say maybe it's between sixty-five and seventy. I'm not going to go over on that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on him, but I, I'm I'm saying under seventy. I'm taking Connor Bouchard's over. Um, I actually did a comparison with Quinn Hughes, Miro Heiskanen, and Brandon Montour. So those were the three defensemen that had the most power play points last year. And if you look at some of the advanced analytics, Evan Bouchard actually compares quite favorably. Obviously, when you're playing the power play with McDavid, your numbers are going to be juiced quite a bit. Um, But... Mir Heiskinen, more offensive zone starts. Bouchard, still, I think, a very good comparable. Um, expected goals, uh, percentage-wise, Evan Bouchard was great. Expected goals per 60 minutes, Evan Bouchard was really good too, right in line with Brandon Montour. On the power play, he had the highest goals, uh, goals per 60 at 12.25 compared to the other three guys who are all below 12, uh, including Hughes and Montour, who were below 10. So I think Evan Bouchard, not that Tyson Berry was ever a threat, but I think Evan Bouchard, if he averages over 20 minutes per game, which I think he will easily, I think if he averages over three minutes on the power play per game, which I think he will do easily, I can see this being an easy over. I'm taking Bouchard high, but I also think that 
he's not quite in the Kale Makar Roman Yossi tier just yet, just because as you no. said, he hasn't proven it yet. Yeah. So here's a, here's a question for you that I've been pondering on my own league. So I, my fourth keeper, I'm debating mm-hmm. between Adam Fox and Evan Bouchard. Who would you rather have next year? Bouchard for the Bouchard, shots. Really? Eh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think for the shots, I think Bouchard's peripherals are going to be better if you're counting that. Um, and I just like the upside much higher. Adam Fox is great. Like the, that, that's a pretty hard decision, but Fox is kind of like Hughes where in certain leagues, he's not worth as much because you're getting a lot of power play assists, but you're not getting a lot of goals, not a lot of shots yeah. and not a lot of the other peripheral stats. So I, I keep think- Bouchard and honestly, I don't, is it a keeper? Yeah. So the thing is, like it would make sense for me to to go with Bouchard because it's the last year I can keep Fox and I could keep okay. Bouchard for four years starting this okay. year, but it's just like Fox is such a comfort, <laughs> you know. Like you know he's yeah, gonna yeah, get yeah. seventy points every year. Yeah, you're right about the peripherals, but what if Bouchard, you know, it doesn't click for him for whatever reason? It just feels like a slight risk. But yeah, I, I think like there's a there's a good argument to be made for Bouchard. Can't you trade Fox and just keep Bouchard? Someone in your league must want Fox. Uh, yeah, we can't make trades in the offseason. So oh. it, I, I would have to try and... And it's harder to trade a guy on last year of his deal. So oh. I'm I'm probably going to lean Bouchard, but I feel like it's a lot closer than I originally... I originally thought, like, oh, I'm just going to keep Fox. And now I'm thinking, like, I should probably keep Bouchard over Fox. You guys should be able, you guys should be able to make trades in the offseason. <laughs> I'll, su- I'll suggest that. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in my league, we do it all the time. So... I think that's just it. I think hockey season is long enough sometimes. So the off season, besides when there's no hockey, keeps us kind of in the loop, I guess. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just an addict. <laughs> yeah, I think I think some people get burnt out in early. Yeah, maybe, fair enough. Maybe, maybe I'll propose a trade and see see if it goes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, since we're going position by position, uh, goal goalies for Edmonton, Jack Campbell. Uh, he's going to get hot at one point for like a month or two. But is he ever the starter again at Edmonton? I think it's possible. I like Jack Campbell this year as a late value pick. If you're mm-hmm. kind of going with the zero G strategy or you're going with like under the radar goalies, I think Campbell's a really good fit. Um, he's got the big contract. I always look at contracts a lot. Um, in fantasy, when you're thinking someone's lost their job or they're moving down the jump chart, anytime there's a big contract, they're going to keep getting opportunities. And I think as good as Stuart Skinner played last year, he's still pretty young with a really small sample size. And he was pretty bad in the playoffs. If you look at his numbers, like they were not good. Um, I think the Oilers actually might have beat Vegas with some better goaltending. So, and I think he got pulled a few times for Campbell in the playoffs. And Campbell actually came in and fared pretty well. So I have a feeling Campbell gets back in there this year, gets a lot of looks. And I think it's probably, I I might be crazy on this, but I think the start splits are probably going to be closer to 50-50 than people think. All right. My rival, my fantasy league picked Stuart Skinner. So I hope you're right. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I just think going back to what you said about the financial commitment. So I always feel like this is a telltale sign of good teams and bad teams. Bad teams always feel like the need to justify these high paid players. Um, whereas if you look at the Kings, if when Cal Peterson was not looking working out for them, they sent him to the minors pretty quickly. I just think just because you're paying 
a guy a huge amount of money doesn't mean you should play him all the time. And this applies to a lot of goalies across the league. Like if Spencer Knight is playing better than Sergei Bobrovsky, you play Spencer Knight. For sure. But I think there's also with Campbell, like they just sign him to five times five. I think it's different when it's a free agent you just brought in and it's only been one year. I don't think they're going to say like, okay, Skinner's the guy now. Campbell, you're a, you're a backup making, you know, five million. Five million. A season. <laughs> I don't think they're just going to do that. And again, if Skinner keeps playing the way he played last year, yeah, I don't think they're going to force Campbell in, mm-hmm. but I think anytime there's a crack, like they're going to give Campbell an opportunity and the others are good enough that like they should be able to help uh, any goalie that whether it's Campbell or, or Skinner or whoever, they should be able to kind of help them and, and they're a pretty goalie friendly team now because they're going to get a lot of wins. I think they should be able to prop them up. Great goal support if you're looking for good save percentage, high amount of saves. Oilers probably aren't it, but you're going to get like 45 wins between the two goalies at least, right? Yep. Speaking of goalies, LA Kings. This is my biggest question about the LA Kings. So we got three goalies Cam Talbot, Phoenix Copley, last year's hero. And Dave, big save Riddick. I've always thought that nickname was kind of ironic. I don't actually know how you feel. <laughs> this guy makes no saves at all. Um, we got a graphic for this as well. I mean, it's the save. The, the save percentages are not good for the Kings. Any of these three goalies. Yeah, this is the most interesting team to me. Maybe this year when mm-hmm. it comes to goalies, I mm-hmm. just think that. Um, they're such a goalie friendly team that mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna want whoever's getting the bulk of the starts there, but it's almost impossible to predict. I have a feeling Talbot is going to be the guy that they start leaning on. But yeah, he's also, seniority, right? Right. But he's also 36 with you know some injuries in recent years. I, I don't know how many games you can count on him for at that age um you know is he gonna play more than 40 45 games i find it hard to believe he's gonna play 50 plus games i don't think that's gonna happen right so and then it's copley he's kind of a a career ahl he just had came on last year and played incredible is he gonna be able to duplicate that that seems like a stretch you know big save dave as you mentioned (laughs) that seems like a complete roll of the dice so if I'm drafting, I'm probably drafting Talbot there first mm-hmm. and praying he stays healthy and just keeps going. But I have a feeling Copley is also going to be valuable there yeah. too. But yeah, it's so weird. There's a few teams out there. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to Caroline on another episode that kind of have a lot of probably valuable goalies in fantasy this season, but it's just hard to predict who's actually going to get the bulk of the start. So yeah. I'm probably going to go with Talbot and and just pray that he gets 45 to 50 games in a best case scenario. Well, Phoenix Copley, if you look at the graphic, he has the best stats. But I mean, it feels like he definitely caught lightning in a bottle, kind of a flash in the pan. This guy was supposed to be one of the best backups in the league when he was with the Caps. Couldn't do it. Ended up on the Kings and didn't even start with the Kings, actually. And actually just went 24... It, won 24 games and got in the playoffs a really good feel good story but i also think the king strategy is let's see where this three-man tandem takes us and maybe we'll make a move for someone else later in the summer i don't think they're gonna go into the playoffs with three c guys if they do they're done in the first round like this can't be the final solution well you saw it last year like they had copley playing really well and they still went after Corpus Corpus Al Al. because they just weren't yeah. that 
confident in him, right? So and Corpusala was good until the playoffs, right? He, he was he was good there, but I think LA could prop up almost any kind of goalie. I wonder if they're in the mix for you know, like is Hellebuck gonna get moved? Mm-hmm. Um, we talked another about Jets Gibson. trade. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about Gibson. Um, they might be in the market for some of these guys, depending mm-hmm. on the their, the cap situation. Obviously, that's always mm-hmm. a factor, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think for drafts you gotta you gotta roll the dice on Talbot. I think maybe a late pick if you kind of punted on goalies, you could grab Copley and, and see how that goes. But I don't think I'd I'd invest too much in Riddick. Yeah, I mean the the only way I draft this tandem is I have snake pick or close picks where I can get yeah. both goalies. I don't want just one; I need both. Yeah, no, for sure, it'll be interesting. Whoever whoever does play the most games will be very valuable though in fantasy because LA is going to win a lot. Yeah, I can see them like Talbot and Kopu playing like 30-something, and then maybe they get another goalie late in the year. Uh, To me, the Kings have a wide range of possibilities. I think they can be like a borderline playoff team or like one of the best teams in the division. Um, And part of it, I think, has to do with their prospect pipeline. So Brant Clark is stepping in. And the other one for me is Quinton Byfield. First line uh, minutes, uh, hasn't shown a lot of offense. But you got to think he's got to break out soon. Yeah, it's interesting with Byfield. You would think adding Dubois kind of hurts him because, I mean, Byfield's a center. And now you're looking at Kopitar, Dubois, and, and Deneau. So I don't exactly know where he fits. But if you're thinking strictly his fantasy value, that probably helps him because he's probably going to spend another year maybe with Kopitar and Kempe on the wing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a better spot for him right now in that Same. lineup. Okay. So. I think that's pretty good for him. If they do want to transition him to center at some point, it's probably going to be a few years down the road. Maybe if you're in a league that counts faceoff wins, you're not super happy about it if you have Byfield. But I think as far as his offensive production goes, he, he probably couldn't be in a better spot there. Uh, what do you have in terms of points? Like, what do you think is a best case scenario for him? Uh, I'm going to go somewhere around 45 50. 45 50. I, I don't think he's played enough to go beyond that. Um, and I and I think if he sticks with Kopitar and Kempe for most of the year, I think he can maybe get 50 if all goes well. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time going higher than that with him right now. Yeah. I don't think he's probably going to play center at all in LA with those three guys. No. It's kind of like Gabe Villardi and, and Anderson Dolan too. Like these guys were centers coming up and they just end up having to play wing. But I think that's a really good problem to have. And I think... Most teams now would prefer to stack up on centers or even stack up two centers on one line. So Dubois has centered left-wing eligibility on Yahoo. I think that's going to be really useful from a fantasy standpoint. But I can also see Dubois and Kopitar like being stacked on one line if they need it. So that would hurt Byfield's value. Um, I would take a late flyer on Byfield only in deep leagues. I'd rather see what he does, what kind of minutes he plays before I pick him up. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't necessarily draft him, but I have a feeling he could be a a constant streamer throughout Mm -hmm. the year. Yeah, fair enough. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, moving on. Um, 
San Jose Sharks. I mean, do we need to say anything? This is probably the worst team in the league, in my opinion. Oh, like, no. like Logan Couture is just kind of there. He's actually been surprisingly consistent. I actually think he's way better than Hurdle. Hurdle's kind of rode his like four game goal reputation for like 10 seasons now. He's just not a very good fantasy player. Is there anybody on the Sharks worth taking? Are they even worth talking about? Why are we even wasting time on this team? <laughs> They're definitely the least interesting team for fantasy players this year, I would say, is the Sharks. There's nobody. You mentioned Couture. Yeah, he's he's 60 points, 200 shots every year, which is fine, but that's pretty much his ceiling. You know, Hurdle is rosterable. Uh, they added Declare, Zadina, who might be streamers at certain points of the year, but I don't think I'd be drafting them. No, um, not at all. I'm not sure there's two goalies I trust less than Blackwood <laughs> and Kakinen. Um, Kakinen to me is amazing. Like I remember people being up in arms when the the Wild protected uh, Talbot over him for the uh-huh. the Seattle expansion draft, and then he just completely. The Kraken didn't take him, and then he just really went downhill after that. Went to the Sharks. I don't know if it's just the Sharks are a bad team, or he just did not pan out. But yeah, he's been super untrustworthy. And, and by Bull- by amazing, you mean like amazingly bad, right? Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been tough. And, and Reimer's actually fared pretty well there the last couple of years. So that's why it was frustrating to kind of see Kraken and struggle at times. But yeah, I don't think other than like seeing William Eklund or maybe. Bordalo kind of get an opportunity and like take a step this year. I don't think I'm going to be watching too many Sharks games for anything besides that. Speaking of Sharks games, they have the worst angle on TV. You ever watch Sharks games? It feels like the camera's like 200 feet away. Oh, that high angle. Yeah. yeah. I know. They've I had hate it. For it. It's awful. And it's like, it's darkly lit. There's too much teal on their jerseys. <laughs> I'm just going on a Sharks rant right now, but. It's just one of my most least interesting teams in the league, in my opinion. And I don't even know where their rebuild is going. Like, I don't think they got enough for Eric Carlson. But, okay, we spent too much time on San Jose. (laughs) Seattle Kraken. All right. Um, You and I kind of disagree about Matty Beniers. Um, Over, under 70 points, over or under? Um, I think slightly under, I, th- I think the sky's the limit for him in the future. I just think still, he's still pretty young. Um, I, I, I don't see him hitting set. I think he's going to get in the sixties this year. I'll just say just under 70. I'm a little worried about, um, him playing with McCann, who I think is going to regress slightly this mm-hmm. year. He had a big shooting percentage last year. We'll so get maybe, to McCann in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he comes down a bit. Um, but I think Beniers is going to be a great player. And if you're in a keeper league, you definitely want to hold on to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, and he's definitely like he's, he's going to be a, a rosterable player this year in one, one year leagues too. But yeah, I just think slightly under 70 points. Okay. So I have the over for Beniers. And the reason I say that is because I think his spot as the number one center in Seattle is unchallenged. I don't think Yanni Gord's going to take it. I don't think any of the centers are going to take it. And every year, when Beniers was drafted, he was kind of drafted as like a two-way player, like a much, much better version of Barrett Hayton because offensively, he's just never been known to be like a high-end scorer. Yeah. But every time I watch him, I am I walk away kind of impressed. Like, I think offensively, he's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And I think this year he cracks 70 points. I think he's a great pick for Dynasty Leagues. I'm not yeah. too worried about the McCann regression. Um, and this is probably not a hot take, and I don't even 
yeah, I don't think it is a hot take, but I think long-term Maddie Beniers is a much better player than Shane Wright. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think one the thing that worries me about the Kraken, and I don't know if you, you feel this way, but they kind of remind me of the Predators two years ago where they had mm. a bunch of guys that had kind of out of nowhere really good seasons. Like if you look at Everly's year last year, I think he had 63 points. That was the most he's had in like five or six years. That came out of nowhere. McCann, you know, we talked about his high shooting percentage. Uh, Vince Dunn, a little bit out of nowhere of a big year. I just mm-hmm. wonder if they all and, – and the Kraken, I think, were fourth overall in, in goals for last year in scoring, mm-hmm. total team scoring. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that comes down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that might hurt Veneers slightly. But mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to improve. He's definitely mm-hmm. going to be one of the players that goes up. But, yeah, I'll say just under 70. But okay. 100%. He, I think he's their top center for the future and keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, you're going to want to hold on to him. I think the best part about being a center is you have a ton of wingers in Seattle that you can play with. So we have another graphic for this. Uh, Jordan Eberle, um, you mentioned Oliver Bjorkstrand, Jaden Schwartz, Andre Burakovsky, Eli Tolvanen. I mean, you could put any of these guys together in any combination, and I think you'd have a pretty good result. Um, I think the one that really interests me is Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, I just think he was a little snake bit last year. I like the shooting volume. Um, I don't know if I trust Ely Tolvanen to do what he did again. Um, just the pace he was scoring at. Um, a 16.5 shooting percentage. Uh, 0.56 points per game is probably where he ends up around. But other than Jared McCann, who I still think can reach 30 goals, but a bit of a long shot, I'd probably pick Oliver Bjorkstrand to finish second in goals. What about you? I kind of like Burakovsky. I just think if you mm. look at his his past four seasons, he's been really productive. He just hasn't been that healthy. I think he's only had one season where he played the majority of it. He never or, shoots the puck, though. I, I know, but he <laughs> his numbers, like his point paces are, have been really, really strong. and. Mm. I wonder if he just is able to play 70 plus games if he's not, you know, able to mm-hmm. to kind of put up maybe like a new career high in points. I think he's he's a really strong player. It's just yeah, mm-hmm. it's just keeping him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with Bjorkstrand too. I think his shooting percentage was down a little bit from his career average. So you're mm-hmm. right about him being snake bitten. Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, he, he gets a lot of shots. Like he really shoots the puck mm-hmm. a lot. So that'll help you out. Yeah, so the good thing about Burakovsky, too, is that he basically averaged the same amount of ice time as, as McCann and Eberly. So about 16 minutes per game, 16 and a half, and close to three minutes of power play ice time per game. Like, they just really spread it out. So it might be one of those things where you're looking at, like, 520 goal scores again, which is a great problem to have. But in fantasy, yeah. it kind of renders most of them not useless, yeah. but it, it really caps their fantasy value. It does. They end up being more streamable than like players you hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Vancouver Canucks, same problem. I mean, <laughs> two good centers, Miller and Pedersen, and then a whole bunch of wingers. I- I'd say yeah. the only real first-line winger is Andre Kuzmenko. And yeah. then you have a bunch of guys who are useful players. Uh, if you look at Kuzmenko's stats, he blows, he blows everyone out of the water. The one that worries me is Brock Besser. Brock Besser has always been a really highly touted uh, prospect in in the Canucks. He's he's a bit of a fan favorite, but wrist injuries, lack of foot speed, not the strongest two-way player. 
if you look at the advanced stats and you compare him to Bovillier and Garland and Mikheyev, he actually doesn't really rank that well. Um, do you have a take on the Canucks wingers other than Kuzmenko, who I think is like a, should be picked in the first few few rounds? Yeah, well, the thing Besser feels like someone to me that really needs a change of, change of scenery. I'm surprised he's back. Mm. Um, it, it just feels like it, the it's salary like, it's it's too much. Yeah, it, it just hasn't clicked for him there. And I really like what Kuzmenko did last year. And I know, mm-hmm. um, I know he shot like 27 point three percent which is outrageous um yeah I actually, so, I actually want to i actually want to take some time to, to dive into like what's the highest shooting percentage of all time based on like i don't know 150 shots or whatever because i feel like kuzmenko might be up there because yeah never, he I, definitely is i think i think there was one player who almost touched 30 percent okay. but but you're right like that 27.3 shooting percentage is unsustainable historically speaking Yes, now, but what what could kind of counteract that is I think there's a lot more room for him to increase his shot volume. Mm-hmm. Like he only had, if I'm not mistaken, 143 shots last year. Correct. If he get if he gets that up to to 200, let's say, even if he regresses a bit, you could still be looking at 30 to 35 goals, right? Like I think he's more of maybe a 30 goal, 65 point player than what he showed last year. He's a bit he's of a making, poacher. Yeah. So I don't, I, I have no problem taking him pretty high. I think he's easily their best winger. Um, yeah, I yeah. actually like, I actually like Beauvillier too with him and Pedersen last year. Mm. I thought that, I thought he had a really good run there late in the season. He actually mm-hmm. scored more points than with the Canucks than he did his whole time on Long Island last year. Like he, yeah. he produced a lot better with them. And I think Peterson is going to be a hundred point player again. So if Beauvillier is there, that's someone I'd look at. Mikheyev is interesting because in Toronto he he was either really snake bitten or he would just fill the net like really streakily. So uh-huh. I don't know where he's going to actually be deployed, but I think he's he's a, a good scorer too. He's got a lot of speed. The guy, the guy I'm not kind of high on is Garland. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't feel like he's fit there either. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a big disappointment yeah. there. Another another kind of bad salary, but yeah, I think I think out of these guys, it's it's kind of Kuzmenko, and then you're you're sort of taking a gamble after that. So to your point, um, Brock Bester actually had the lowest goals per game total between all those guys at zero point two per game. It's even lower than Garland, zero point two one. Mikheyev was at zero point two eight. Andre Kuzmenko was basically at a half goal per game. Um, and to your point again, shots per game, Andre Kuzmenko, less than two shots per game. Can you believe that for a 40 goal score? That's unheard yeah, of. Yeah, he's got to increase that shot volume. Yeah, so 1.77 shots per game, lower than Mikheyev. Brock Bester's at 2.41. If you look at his shooting percentage, it's 10.1%. It, it does feel like he's a little snake bitten. I think the wrist injury has to do with it. Without Bo Horvat there, I'd be interested to see how they use Brock Besser on the power play. He did lead all those wingers, except Kuzmenko, with six power play goals, uh, 10 power play assists. Um, he does get the most ice time at 17 minutes per game. There are part, parts of the year where Kuzmenko was benched um, because Rick Tockett didn't like his line changes or thought his defensive effort was lacking. <laughs> um, understandable. Um Bovillian Mikheyev is interesting because I think one of them will end up on Pedersen's line. So at yeah. one point they had Kuzmenko, Pedersen, Mikheyev. Uh, Mikheyev's kind of like the two-way guy, the guy who retrieves pucks. Uh, second unit power play, that's the only reason in fantasy I would not go near him. Uh, Bovillian is interesting because I thought with New York Islanders, I saw like 
a player with like a second, a middle six skill set. There's nothing he does offensively that makes me think he's a top line scorer. But as you said, sometimes line mates are a thing. Like if Brown yeah. and Hyman play McDavid, they're really valuable. Bovilli maybe slightly less like that, but still the same kind of principle where if you play with a good player, um, your stats are probably going to go up. Uh, Connor Garland, I just think is out of favor. His, his, yeah. his, yeah, his offensive possession stats are always really good, but he's, if you ever watch him play, he's, he always gets the puck somewhere because he's that smart, but then he just does like five spinoramas and just like dumps it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like nothing really comes out of it. I think, it's funny. I think the answer here is basically going to be who gets that spot with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Yeah. That's going to be the one you're going to want to roster. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Now Vegas, the defending champs. Two questions, um, real quick. Does Jack Eichel ever score ninety points, or is he a point per game type player? I think he's more point per game in his current situation. Um, Vegas kind of reminds me of Carolina a little bit, how they just spread mm. out their their ice time so much and their lines mm-hmm. so much that it almost hurts. It almost kind of caps what what you can produce, like. Mm-hmm. I feel like Aho and Shvetsnikov are always kind of capped in that way because they're mm-hmm. just not going to get leaned on as much. Mm-hmm. And I and I sort of think that's what Bruce Cassidy's doing there now. And if you look at Eichel's ice time last year, it was the lowest of his career, um, average mm-hmm. ice time per game. Mm-hmm. So I think he's between seventy and eighty points. Obviously, he's he's had a tough time staying healthy and, and not mm-hmm. missing you know significant time. So you have to factor that in too. Mm-hmm. But I don't see him getting 90 in his in his current situation. Yeah, fair enough. I'm kind of the same way. I think maybe he's not playing up to his potential still. Like maybe the neck is still bothering him. Maybe he's just missed so much time that he's still getting up to speed. Um, but back in Buffalo, I mean, I did see like a 90, 100 point player. But you're right. In Vegas' system, I just don't see it. So yeah. the other question for that's big for Vegas is in net. Uh, Aiden Hill or Logan Thompson? Who do you have? Who do you like? I actually like Thompson a little more than Hill. Um, I think he's going to get a a little bit forgotten about this year because Mm -hmm. Hill had that great playoff run and they won the cup, obviously. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. Thompson was an all-star last year. And if you know anything about Bruce Cassidy, if you watched him in Boston, uh, he rotates his goalies pretty regularly. Yeah. So it's I, almost I, like stubborn about it. Yeah. Like I remember in Boston, like Halak would always have a lot of value because he'd play a ton with behind Rask. Uh, I think that'll be the same situation here again. They were kind of doing that last year anyway. And I just think Thompson is slightly better. And, and I think Hill will probably come down to earth. There's no way he's going to sustain what he did in the playoffs. So if I was if you're lucky in your draft, maybe Thompson gets a little overlooked and, and slides because of Hill and you can scoop him up later and you'll probably get pretty good value out of him. So if you're looking at even strength, strength uh, save percentage, Logan Thompson actually has Aiden Hill beat 923 to 918. And if you're into analytics, goal saved above average, uh, Logan Thompson is rated as the better goalie. Still not as good as the elite goalies, but given how Vegas plays defense, I'm not too worried about that. If you're looking at Yahoo ADP, Aiden Hill is going slightly higher, about 11 picks higher. 
But I think part of it is maybe Hill is just ranked higher in drafts. And also because I think people are going with both goalies. I think yeah. they're rostering both just to be safe. I think that's a really good strategy. So it's funny how Aiden Hill has the higher ADP right now, but Logan Thompson has a higher percentage rostered just by 3%, 65 to 62. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, there'll they'll be definitely one where you want a tandem for sure. That'll be one mm-hmm. of the best tandems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I think that's all the burning questions for the Pacific Division we have. Uh, I want to finish off with who is your sleeper in this division? Who's the one player in this division that you would pick late in the drafts that you think is just really going to bust out? Someone I always like who was hurt a bit last year is Trevor Moore from the Kings. Oh, I always feel like okay. he has sneaky value. Um, he has a chance, I always feel like, to get 50 points, 200 shots, and he's decent for hits too. So I like Trevor Moore. Okay. I'm a little down on Trevor Moore. I, I like his stats. I like the rate he shoots and scores at. I just don't know what kind of role he plays. He's always been kind of like a complimentary player to me. But I'm in the same boat. My sleeper pick is Quinton Byfield. I believe in the kid. Like, you have to bust out at some point. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. He's in a good spot for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that about does it for our Pacific Division preview. We hopefully answered all the burning questions you've had. Um, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, thanks to Michael Spicer for the awesome intro and outro music that you've, you're going to hear. Um, if you'd like to connect with Michael and I, or if you have any questions for our mailbag, which will start soon, you can find us on Twitter slash X. Uh, my handle's at Jason Chen 16. Michael's at, at Amato underscore Mike. Uh, if you like listening to our hockey show, please follow us and give us a review. And we'll have a new episode next Monday previewing the Central Division. Thank you. See you then.